Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, folks, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are coming to you live at 10.37 p.m. on Wednesday. Won't be live for you, live for us. It's a late night. We never miss, though. We're back in the studio. We're ready to go. We got a three-man crew today. Myself, Danny, who's mourning the loss of a koozie. An important koozie. (laughs) More than a koozie. And our chief executive officer slash editor, Country Club Kobe. How are you boys feeling tonight? I know you guys are hot off your College World Series. More than a koozie. It was a friend to me. It so was. let's get that clear. A lot of beers pour- drinking out of that koozie. Oh, more than I can count. You guys feeling good after the uh, Vanderbilt walk-off? Mild one. All right, let's transition into MMA here. So recapping last week's card... We have Ige Korean Zombie, which shockingly was a five-round decision. And, and not shockingly, but Korean Zombie, the winner. The, the shocking part is it, it turned out to be more of a grappling match than I think anyone really imagined. And it really exposed Danny Ige, in my opinion. He wasn't able to get the strikes off that he wanted to. He couldn't keep his distance from a primary striker in the Korean Zombie. And... Fell uh, via five-round decision. Lost every single round in my book. Uh, what else we got? Marlon Cheeto Vera, decision over Davy Grant. He dropped the first round of Davy Grant, being a 250-something favorite, and ended up coming back strong in the third and, and had a good second as well. Yeah, it looked like he really just started slow, couldn't get any momentum working for him. But then once he started getting those elbows to come in and come in hard and, and cut him, uh, he really started rolling. It was it. He turned on the gas, and Vera's a slow starter. And I remember actually thinking about live betting Vera after the first round, and and I didn't, stupidly so. But it, it Cheeto Vera, whenever he has a high line, it's always possible to ride him after the first round falls. We had two, we had three actually phenomenal finishes in a row on the main card, all KOTKOs. First one I want to go over is Choi Sang-woo over Julian Arosa, Juicy J. Tell going back to front, I see. Yeah, we're going back to front. Minute 37, KOTKO landed right on the chin with a left hook. Yeah, no, for me, I think that what surprised me the most about that one, I commented in the preview of that, thinking that uh, Choi doesn't have the knockout power. And he looked like he had been working with his strength and conditioning coach and a nutritionist big time. He looked big. He looked like he was hitting way harder than I had ever seen. Um, Once I saw him land a couple, I wasn't surprised that he got him out of there quick. But, man, does he hit a lot harder than I remembered. Yeah, I'm in a very similar vein to you. And the other thing that was impressive to me was the speed. I, I... Julian Arosa is an unorthodox fighter. He's very in and out. He's got a weird style to him. And some people have a tough time figuring him out. And so landing hard and early worked out really well for Sang Woo. And I, I agree with you. He looked huge in there and, and also looked fast as well, which is always good when you can combine size and speed. And, and Arosa's chin, which we long mentioned had been a problem 
Yeah. I, I mean, just another red mark. Yeah, not great. And I, I don't believe he'll see a red slip here. He had a couple good upsets in a row, but not, not a great. That was a tough finish for him. Middleweight bout. We did uh, Country Club Kobe dirty as fuck in the MCC. We'll get to that later. But we, we hyped up Terman, I believe, on the set the spread. And then when it came to main event challenge, we both flopped and Kobe was left with his bucket full of Wellington Terman. But hammer fist from the top, KOTKO from Bruno Silva in the fir- very first round, 15 seconds. Well, that was an interesting one. The judges kept talking about how familiar they were with each other's grappling, which was something that I did not know when I was I did uh, not know that either. previewing. But we did kind of get it right that we gave Bruno the nod in being the better jiu-jitsu player and the better positional – I mean, even just for MMA grappler. Um, Wellington Terman got into – some decent positions. I think he tried to take Bruno's back. Twice. He had his back. He actually had, I believe he was even backpacked for, for a second where he literally was off the ground, full backpack mode. Right. Right. On that, on the fence, he went, he kept going for the back and really Bruno kept calm just dealt with him, even got his back. And then it was just like, once Bruno had him, those were some lethal ground and pound hooks. I mean, shows the power because you rarely, see ground and pound it was more ground and pound than hammer fist but you it's hard to ko someone from their full guard it, right no and that's full even power. More, yeah. i've seen i've seen hammer fist put people out completely this is just a, a left hook from fucking hell i guess from heaven because he was on top of him it was he was stacked the, <laughs> the power was crazy i did not expect him to go out and then all of a sudden you could see something flipped and Bruno was hammering away and got the first round KOTK. And then the reason why I flipped it up and went reverse, reverse, reverse is because I think this might be the best knockout out of, of them all. Immortal Matt Brown is in fact immortal. My good parlay ad once again falls victim. De- Diego Lima got, got knocked out cold by Matt Brown. I mean, one of the more vicious knockouts you, I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you like couldn't vicious. better. I mean, Matt Brown, immortal. It looked like Diego was getting off a good game plan, kind of like what we were predicting would happen with those chopping leg kicks or calf kicks. Um, but, man, it just shows. And he, and he even said, which was really cool in the post-fight interview, he's like, it's just fundamentals. I've been throwing that body jab all day or the body straight all day. And when I duck for it and coming around with a hook, he's down here with his hands and doesn't catch it. It was, it was as fundamental as it gets. A couple other things I'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Another really fast KO by none other than Rick Glenn. The guy that I wrote, I, I had two units Rick. on Rick Glenn. I gassed him up all podcast. Maybe we can get him on. Who knows? But a quick. Ricky. We're not going to get him on if you keep calling him Rick. Why? Because – He's Ricky now, apparently. I, he's no, big, so, I, I remember him as Rick when we were breaking it down. And I didn't, like, think about he, it. But he was Ricky all weekend, which was kind of me, – me, me and him go so far back. It's kind of like how when people see someone, they call him by the first name. I just go, oh, what's up, Rick? And he's like, oh, what's up, Reese? You're good. What's up, brother? Uh, but fast, fast KO, TKO there, 37 seconds in, and cash my bet there. Heavyweight bout, Josh Parisian versus Roque Martinez. You were all over Parisian. I hated Parisian. Listen to this. 
Roque Martinez, 245 significant strikes landed. Josh Parisian, 100 significant strikes landed. Parisian got the decision uh, via three rounds, which is just mind-boggling. Was there any kind of control time, or was it just one of those? It was one of those. One of seven for takedowns. But listen to this. Roque Martinez landed 245 strikes out of 309 attempted for a 79% clip. Josh Parisian went 100 landed, 186 attempted, 54% clip, and he lost the fight. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember what the exact scorecards were, but I know it was a split decision that ended up going Parisian's way, and I lost some money on it. I was, I was pissed. Now, I was looking at it, though, regardless of terrible decision, I mean, judges have always been terrible. We're looking at Roque on a three-fight losing streak. Is he one of those guys you give a pink slip? Is he? Yeah, he lost to the Parisian, then Dante Dante Mays and Romanov's a decent, or like, is a great fighter. Is a guy that I wouldn't expect. Dante Mays is a tough loss, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, I think, I think that that split decision loss probably get. I mean, there's. We talked about this last week, and Seaman comes up a lot, but heavyweights just don't have bodies. Is what it really comes down to. So, he might be a, a guy that fills in on short notice, but. Yeah, I, I don't see him sticking around much longer. He's undersized too, but Parisian too. I, I am not his. I'm not a fan of his at this moment. I, I mean, I, I don't know him as a person, just as a fighter. I, I feel like he's slow. His output's not there. He gasses. I, I think he could be a serious fade potentially because these lines are. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, my whole breakdown last week was based on a fade Roque and Josh Parisian has half a foot on him. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted Roque, and I ended up taking Roque because it's just a Parisian fade. It, it ended up screwing me in the tough split decision, but I, I saw it differently. Uh, two more things. Kalen Williams, Matt, Matthew Semselberger. Kalen Williams got the decision. It was simply volume. It, it really came down to just a volume striking. Semselberger was always on the his back foot and just couldn't get the volume off. Alexa Kamur drops another one. Yeah, was, no, Nick, Nick was just – an absolute savage. The dude, yeah, he was eating punches. He yeah, so many. I mean, Alexa had had good footwork. Nick was just too tough for him. Nick returned with power every time Alexa tried to touch him. Uh, uh, I don't know where I don't know where he goes. They either throw him someone to build his confidence back up, which we thought this fight was. We called it out last week, saying we thought that was for this fight. I mean, maybe did he come too early? I mean, these contender series guys sometimes get developmental contracts and then get pushed through the system. I mean, that might be something they consider for him because he clearly is talented. He clearly, he shows glimpses in there, but five round or three round uh, decision loss for him. And then last but not least women's straw weight bout your girl. Verona Janaroba. She looks so awesome. The also gained a ton of respect for Murata. Holy oh, for sure. fuck. Her elbow was broken in half. It was dislocated. And she's like complaining to the ref about letting her continue. Remarkable. Right. I mean, the only knock on either of these women was Verna should have thrown that high kick the second that she realized that Murata yeah. couldn't, couldn't bring her head oh. up. I mean, she, she realized that that right straight was landing just with ease. Cause like, she still cannot bring her right, or I guess it was her left hand up to block. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, it was her left, but it was yep. it was 
fucking broken and or mm-hmm. dislocated. And they were talking on the broadcast. Her role model is Sakuraba. So for those who know who Sakuraba is, he's an old pride fighter. And it totally makes sense that she'd try to continue with, uh, with a broken with a broken elbow because Sakuraba is a bad, bad man. I mean, I, I he's one of my favorites too. Especially if you fight pass, the crazy killer. If you have a fight pass and you have a chance to go back to the pride fights and watch some Sakuraba, I promise you it'll not disappoint. So that's it for last week's card. There are a lot of good performances, a lot of quick finishes for a random card. And that'll bring us into news and notes. Gentlemen, what do we have for this week in news and notes? I know there was a, a fight cancellation. Holloway's out. Yep. Holloway's out against Yair. Undisclosed. All right. Holloway's out. Yair's now opponentless. What else we got? Nothing. Slow like week. Out. Slow week. Um, Ortega and uh, Volkanovsky, for those keeping up with Ultimate Fighter, that show kicks off every Tuesday on ESPN Plus, which is awesome. Oh, it's not technically news, but Danny and I were talking a little bit beforehand about about the Luke Rockhold potentially calling out Kazma Chimaev, saying that he's ducking him. Saying that he won't come up to 185 to fight Luke. Um, I know Hamza had a, a couple of health concerns, but last time I checked, that guy was fighting anyone anywhere, and I don't think that Luke wants any of that smoke. Um, also, seemingly, Brandon Moreno's next competitor uh, just got slated for July 31st, Askar Askarov versus Alex Perez. I think we might have talked about that last week, but winner of that seemingly will get Brandon Moreno. Clarissa's got another fight scheduled too. Who does? Clarissa Shields. Okay, there you go. That's in Bellator, correct? Is that Bellator or PFL? PFL. PFL. We also have the originally slated for August heavyweight championship fight um, being pushed back until September at least. Okay, and then I also always do this on the podcast for all those listeners who, who try to dabble outside the UFC. Um, I, I, we usually, we were, we post these Friday, right? Country, country club Thursday, Thursday. There you go. So everything Thursday on. So PFL number six will be Thursday night, this Thursday. So as you're listening, you can watch PFL number six. It's the, it's the end of the season, actually, I believe. Then Friday night, we have Bellator 261. Does anyone know who's headlining that? Oh, Tim Johnson, ex UFC vet versus, oh man, Valentin. Moldovsky. I'm, I'm not familiar with them. Oh, Liz Karamush is in the co-main as well. Miles Jury's on this card. So, good. another good Bellator card uh, this Friday, and then Saturday, you have both Ryzen and UFC, which is what most of you guys are ready for, but if you want to dabble outside, there you go. Lastly, Sunday, yes. Mission Underground, hosted by Chael There Sunday. you go. Uh, we've got the, I think it's a 10-man tournament. Um, the winner gets 10K and a title shot against Mason Fowler in the next submission underground. There you go. And if you haven't checked out submission underground, grapplers fight, fight pass. Twice in a night, maybe three times. Fight pass, right? Yes, on fight pass. Phenomenal grappling event. I love submission underground. So make sure you check that out Sunday. Danny's definitely going to bring it up on next week's podcast. I'd be shocked if he didn't. With that being said, let's get into this week's card. Uh, Public service announcement. It is an early one, very early. The prelim card starts at noon 
Central. Yes, noon Central. And the main card will be starting at 3 p.m. Central. So I don't know if you want to pregame your breakfast with some mimosas, but this is an early card, so get ready. Don't go out too late Friday night. Who who replaced Reese with a liberal? I thought you were gonna put proper 12 in your coffee. <laughs> I'm trying to cater to our audience, Daniel. All right, fine. It's it's really whiskey and eggs, but with that being said, let's start it off. Wow. This prelim card, the curtain jerker, is like a high level two three years ago. You're like, or more like two years ago, you're like, wow, this is this guy was in a main event. Yancey Medeiros versus Demir Hadzovic is the lightweight curtain jerker this week. Line on that is Demir Hadzovic minus 150, Yancey Medeiros plus 122, unsurprisingly. Yancey Medeiros is a guy who found himself in a main event two years ago against Donald Cerrone that ended in a first-round KO loss. And since then, he's fallen to Gregor Gillespie, obviously not that terrible and most recently to Lando Veneta. Taking a year and a half off, and he's finally coming back against Demir Hadzovic. Hadzovic, on the other hand, we were just talking about him because we feel bad for Renoit Meccano. Is Meccano on this card, Danny? Yeah. There you go. So Meccano's going to be on the main card, who most recently beat Hadzovic in his last time out. So for me, this is a pass. Um because I don't totally know if I can pick a side. If I had to, I would pick Hadzovic. I think you can push the pressure and wrestle Medeiros, but Medeiros is a black belt. You know what I mean? So I, I don't feel comfortable betting either side here. What makes the biggest difference for me on this one? Um, you mentioned that Yancey was a former main event fighter uh, with Cowboy. And since then he's dropped to um, the Gregor one. I, I don't really think is a super big knock to him i've said in a lot of past episodes gregor's a fucking beast no gregor confuses me but what really has me to favor the dog here in yancey is that since that lando fight during covid he's moved back to hawaii to train with max holloway uh his camp for legitimately his entire career until covid hit and he was locked down in the continental united states and had to find new training partners for the Lando preparation. Um, and then I also just look at his strength of schedule. You mentioned he was in a main event. I mean, he's also fought the likes of Dustin Poirier. I mean, Eve Edwards. The guy The guy definitely has a better strength of schedule definitely. than Hadzevic. Even I, I respect Hanato and Christos Yagos so much. Kobe and I just saw Yagos have a phenomenal performance in Houston. Yeah, uh, Yagos is great. No, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because – Hadzovic is a guy who has a lot of lower profile fights. I mean, I would say other than Moicano, his best, his highest profile fight is like Marcin Held, who isn't in the UFC anymore. And that Alon Patrick fight is, is that division was terrible. Uh, Yeah. The other thing too, is Madero's being a guy who's not afraid to be in, to be, to fight off his back. Moicano tapped him out in the first round last time. So, I have a lot of faith in, in the Max Holloway no sparring method that he, he debuted versus Cater. <laughs> yeah, and Medeiros I have worried about his chin in the past, so that hopefully that helps. Moving up the card, we have another prelim bout. <clears throat> this one at featherweight against 
uh, Charles Rosa versus Justin James. Now, Justin James is a guy who is probably more not fighting for his job, almost definitely. He's on a three-fight skid since winning his UFC debut against Frank Camacho. Lost to Gavin Tucker, Gabriel Benitez, and Devonta Smith last time out. This would be his fourth straight. But Charles Rosa, on the other hand, just came off that brutal loss to Derek Minner, who I had Rosa. I think we might have had Rosa's or ankle lock. No, you might have talked me out of it. But I was on Rosa hard there. The line here is Charles Rosa minus 175, Justin James plus 145. Yeah, Rosa's a guy who confuses me. Um, I, I can never really get a great read on him because I always thought that he was decent enough at jujitsu, and I thought that the win that Bryce Mitchell had over him was really eminent of just Bryce's phenomenal skill level and less of Charles Rosa being a pushover, but that, that, that Minner fight was tough. Yeah. He got yeah. smoked. If you want to tape anything for this fight, go watch Charles Rosa, Derek Minner, and you will be on Justin James on a three fight skid faster than the sun comes up. I mean, it is crazy. But the thing about Justin James is he's the guy that's going to go out there swinging haymakers for a finish for the entire fight. I know. And he could get it. And he could get it. Oh, he could for sure get it. But also, I don't I, – I was taping – so I taped Justin James a lot this week. And it's really hard to, to tell his submission defense because Gavin Tucker showed it a little bit and ended up choking him out in the third round. But both Gabriel Benitez and Devonta Smith, it was pretty much a pure striking contest. But so, that's, the other, that's the other thing about Justin, or a guy that just swings through the fences. Once you get to the third round, there's not much gas tank left. Yeah. A guy like Charles Rosa, honestly, it, I mean, this is going to be a pass for me, but one of the reasons why is because I could see a real scenario where Justin James um, – kicks his ass for two rounds, lands a lot of heavy punches, gases, and then Charles Rosa gets a triangle or something. Yeah, I just – where I agree with you, but where I'm at, I don't know if it's possible for me to ever bet Charles Rosa again. That Derek Minner performance was so atrocious, I felt sick to my stomach. But you know what else is atrocious? The nickname Guitar Hero. Like, Yeah, I, there's got to be a story behind that. Boston Strong is much better. Moving up the card, women's bantamweight bout. Julian Avila versus – Julia Storielanko. And the line on that is, oh my God, Julia Alvia my, minus 375. Storielanko plus 280. I don't have any notes on this. I stopped capping women's fights long ago. I'm done. So I don't have any notes on this from this week, but this is actually a reschedule from, I want to say, like two or three weeks ago. Um, a situation where Storielanko tried to make weight, fainted, had an extra hour, tried to make weight, and fainted again, and almost died, went to the hospital. And now they're running it back less than a month later at the exact same weight. This is an absolute no bet for absolutely anyone until they weigh in because Stoliarenko might die in the process again. Um, The number's that high for that reason because I don't know if she can make this weight at all. Crazy, crazy. It, it, weight cutting is a whole nother issue. And if I, we will dive into it. That's a topic for another time, but, but weight cutting, I know Paul Felder's been outspoken about it since retiring. So we'll see what if any rules change from there, but, but I'm assuming Dan, are you in a, other than a complete layoff, 
in your head you're going dog or pass? I mean, I, I want to say dog or pass, but in yeah, this situation, the dog might, might not, not. It might not even three. happen. Yeah, it might not even happen. Um, now, yeah. this next one, though, is going to be interesting. It's a light heavyweight bout between Marcin Practico and Ike Villanueva. And Ike Villanueva is the notorious COVID fighter we talked about. And Practico is minus 190 now. Ike Villanueva plus 160. Practico's come all the way down from minus 225. Yeah, the more I looked at this, the more I don't want to touch it. Practico's hittable. Yeah, that's exactly. Ike only throws ending punches. Yeah, I... Early for set the spread, I don't think it was on air, but Kobe was asking us to set this line just out of curiosity. And Kobe thought Pratnico would be a lot higher. And and on paper, and be just looking at it, you would think so. But I mean, two years I ago, or three years to get ago, it done. I expect if if you look, if this is an MCC fight, and you're asking me to pick a line, it's Pratnico by decision, um, and that's what I expect the fight result to be. Yeah. I mean, but, but I'm, I'm not putting my money on minus one ninety. I'm not putting it on years ago, three years ago. Sam Alvey knocked him out in the first round. Right. Just let that sink in for a second. That's practical. That is. And then he got knocked out again by Ankalaev. It's not a. It's not a knock on him. Ankalaev's a fucking tank. And then he got knocked out again by Mike Rodriguez. So you're looking. You're like knockout, knockout, knockout. He did have a great performance over Cleo Roundtree, but but still. It's tough to lay that 190 juice. And then Eichnell Villanueva on the other side, on the other hand, you got a loss because of a doctor stoppage. You have a, a, a very bona fide COVID fighter. I mean, it's very clear. But he also got killed by Chase Sherman, who was out of the UFC not that long ago. So I, I don't know what to think on this one, and it's a pass for me. I don't hate that decision call from you, but at the same time, these guys both are going to try to throw, I imagine. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Out of match. It's know, awful. He just throws, and I think that Marcin's going to be hesitant and whatever. I think it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, so far, so far, not super capable. Walter Wade bout Warley Alves versus Jeremiah Wells. And the line on this is Warley Alves minus 250, Jeremiah Wells plus 200. That, that line's over at FanDuel uh, just because – Bad MGM is not up, and that was the first one. So uh, I'm going back to five times. It's it's minus two thirty for Worley Alves, plus one ninety for Jeremiah Wells. So Wells, I'm seeing he's making his debut at age thirty four. Yep, that is correct. And it's, uh-huh. and the promotion he was fighting out of is CFFC, and he's fighting at CES before that. So I don't, I'm not super cage familiar. Free. Cage, you you know Cage Free. I, I know Cage Fury, but I'm saying like I'm not super familiar with him. I haven't I haven't watched these. I haven't seen him fight before. Is what I'm I guess is what I'm saying. So no, I haven't seen it either. But I I know Cage Fury, and that's definitely not. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kyle Dawkins was I, I I've no yes I I'm familiar with Cage Fury. That's not what I was saying. I was saying that I, I I'm not familiar. Like with he's him. on some kind of crazy streak. Um, I mean he lost a unanimous decision in 2019. That yeah. being said, that was a five-round fight, uh, which shows that he's definitely not, in my opinion, going to be like someone to gas. I just don't know how you can I, – I, I haven't really taped. In all honesty, I don't think that Worley Alves is that terrific. I think that he that, – that body kick versus Mounier obviously was – awesome but i don't think that Mounier is as good as 
anyone initially thought. I mean, Worley Alves packs crazy power. I mean, like crazy, crazy power. Well, so, like losses to Randy Brown there and James Krause. It's both. Was James Krause submission? Are you looking at it? No, knee and punches. Knee and punches. Okay, because I know I know Randy Brown was submission. If he got submitted by Randy Brown and and James Krause, that's not the end of the world. But yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about submitted by uh, submitted by Randy Brown. The only thing that I know about Jeremiah Wells is that he's a Henzo Gracie Philly guy. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean Henzo Gracie's as good as they come. I just don't. Thirty-four-year-old debut in the UFC is sauce as fuck. <laughs> I yeah, know. you know, you're right. He, I mean, he's only eight and two at 34 years old of experience. Definitely favors Worley. Um, I guess this is one where I wouldn't want to miss this fight. But again, I, I, I still don't think there's a spot to really cap anything yet. Right. Until right now. The welterweight bout that Danny's been licking his chops for all night. Shavkat Rachmanov versus Michelle Prezerez. 26 and 3, Michelle Prezeres. 13 and 0, Shavkat Rachmanov. And the line is Rachmanov minus 300. Michelle Prezeres plus 240. And here's the fun thing about that line. Let's just imagine in a hypothetical world what the line would be for Shavkat versus Ismail Nardiev, the guy that has the yeah. most recent win. It would be uncappable. Because, yeah, I think it'd be... It'd be uncapable. I mean, I don't know how you make a line for that. I think it'd be minus 300 or more. I don't know how this one's minus 300, if that one's going to be more than five minus 300, and Nardia just beat this guy. Um, I, I No, I, I really think that Shavkat's better than him absolutely everywhere. No, um, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't see like, so honestly, bag. I think he's going to touch him up, pressure... Prezera is going to shoot, and then Gilly style. Ankle lock? Ankle lock? Ankle for the play or, by, or for by sub? Because that's kind of ballsy. No, I, not by sub. For the play. Okay. For the play. Oh, I'm in for the play. Let's we're, lock it we're, in. We're, we're, we're locking this in as an ankle lock, Country Club. Write it down. Shavkat, what? It's down. 17-9 ankle lock. Let's get done. Let's, get we're pushing this. This line's a little high. That's the only reason why we debated it. But it, it, I don't see how this line loses. Rachmanov is just so far and away superior. And I know the records might scare you off. Preserves is also not tall, but big. Uh, he's missed weight a lot in his career. But Rock, I, I, I don't see how Rachmanov loses this fight. I just don't. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Cowboy Oliveira miss weight for their welterweight fight? And yeah. then... He got submitted. Him? Yeah, he did. That's true. That is what happened. <laughs> I think he's going to guillotine this motherfucker too. People aren't that familiar with Rachmanov because he's so new to the scene. I mean, he has one UFC appearance. This man is so fucking good everywhere. I I, I can't wait for this fight, but I, I don't foresee it going any other way than Rachmanov finish. Is it best? <laughs> making MMA fighters Shavkat Rachmanov alright last but not least light heavyweight bout Danny's got an interesting line slash prediction on this one Kennedy Zinchekwu versus Danilo Marquez 
And Danilo Marquez is plus 105 and Wu 125. Danny, drop that line for the listeners because this is a play that's very much in play. Yeah, so I mentioned um, on the set the spread what I think of Kennedy and what I think the UFC thinks of Kennedy. He's a Fortis MMA guy. Uh, he's a guy that's got a lot of talent. He's pretty marketable. Um, I think I mentioned that he's one of the what is it? Six UFC fighters that are fighting out of Africa and three of them have belts. They think he's a guy that might contend. Um, and they're, they, they gave him one of the best strikers in the entire UFC last time about, and now they're giving him a pure grappler. And I think that they expect him to continue, but often that does, their plans don't really work out. And the odds are really reflecting that with this being an even fight. Vegas think this is a toss-up. And if we're talking to Nilo Marquez, and if he's going to beat Kennedy here, he's not going to outstrike him. He's not going to lay on him. He's not stronger. He's not going to physically dominate him. He's going to get a sub. If he's going to win this 50-50 matchup, he's going to get a sub. Play by sub, plus 300. If you're going to play Danilo, uh, get three times your money for a 50-50 price. Couldn't – such good logic there. It's if you're on Danilo Marquez. If you, for some reason, have a huge hunch that it's going the other way, which it's up for debate. I mean, both these guys lack in, in different areas. But but if Marquez has a path to victory, I, sub has to be. I mean, we're going back to 2019, not that long ago. Uh, it's only three fights ago for Kennedy and Chuck Lee. It's the only one that gave him his one. It's his only loss. Yeah. Paul it was Craig a submission. Stopped. It was Paul. I was gonna say it was Paul Craig, who has aged uh, well for for him. It, 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 Absolutely. Paul- but if if I'm talking Danilo, I think he's got similar. He does. Absolutely does. Absolutely running. does. Absolutely does. So if you want to sprinkle that plus fifteen on the submission, I I do not hate that play at all, especially if you're on Marquez. Y'all know what's next. The MCC, the main event challenge, main card challenge. Kobe, this is when you're up, buddy. A little bit of movement this week. We had – hang on, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Parker made a jump. Yep. He jumped Dan into second, and he – I mean, he's a a nickel down from first place. And and for those who – want to know because you don't write down the plays religiously i got them down yeah no where was the big play for parker it was a decision right he had the speedback decision plus 550 there you go and so everything else remains the same so ck pr dk rp that's correct sir i am so far in last for those listeners it's just absolutely remarkable at this point you're not down and last by more than that speedback decision would have got you. There you go. That's all I've ever needed to hear. So let's start it off. Starting it off, a guy previously mentioned, Hoynette Moicano, lightweight bout against Jai Herbert. And the line here is Jai Herbert plus 200. Renette Moicano. Oh, no. Renette Moicano minus 235. Jai Herbert plus 195. Kobe, you're up. I'm on Hanato Moicano by sub plus 180. It's 
he's not what he both of his last two wins are both by sub. So no, I mean that's a that's a, that's a good a path as any. Danny. Yeah, it's definitely not a bad way to play it. Uh, this is a guy that Reese alluded to. I was so shocked when I looked up his record and realized the line of killers that he had been through. I mean, we're going all the way back to 2017 here, but it's Ortega, Calvin Cater, Cub Swanson, Jose Aldo, Korean Zombie, Hadzovic, who we've talked about today, and then Abel Hazib, who's one of my favorite fighters, the head-striking coach of Tiger, Mo- Tiger Muay Thai right now. I don't understand how he's running into this killer's row. Um, but that being said, he's he's one in three in his last four fights, and he's a minus 250 favorite right now. I will not be playing that. I'm going to be on Jai Herbert, a guy who dominated Trinaldo until he – like he obviously, Trinaldo found, found his temple in the third round, I think. Um, it was unfortunate. But he really looked nice and up until then. I don't think I've seen anyone be as dominant on Trinaldo as he was in, in a really long time. Um, I don't know if I want to get really cute with it because I kind of want to take him by decision plus 550. I think I'm just going to ride plus 200. Jai Herbert, give me the dog. Let's not complicate things. Uh, training partner, Leon Edwards. Let's see him get back in the win column here. All right, well, I will get cute with it. I'm going to go Herbert wins by decision. That's actually plus 600 over at five dimes, and I'm on that. Give it to me. I was going to go KOTKO Herbert, let that be known. But then when Danny spoke that line out out, out loud, I just had to jump on it. It's over double. Um, Next fight on the card, we have a welterweight bout, Tim Dirty Birds Means versus Nicholas Dalby. We talked about this one a little bit on the Set the Spread episode. But the line has since moved. It is Tim Means minus 140 now. Nicholas Dalby plus 115. Yeah, I'm setting the spread. What? Y'all I think both- it was Tim Means as high as 160, I think. Gotcha. Um, I'm just going to stick with the favorite minus 140 right here. This is a tough one for me. Um we won as a podcast a lot of money on Dirty Bird. Yeah, I love the Dirty Bird. last two fights, and I mean, even before that. I don't know how good of a matchup this is for him. I think that Nicholas Dalby is a gamer. I think that Nicholas Dalby is underrated athletic. Not really sure how to, how to approach this one. I think I'm going to take. Fight doesn't go to a decision plus 138. Let's go violence here. Okay. I'm, I'm in on the violence train, but I am going to pick a side. I'm going to go Tim means by KOTKO plus 415. I think he's going to wear him down, find his hole, drop Dalby, and I'll take the 415 cash all the way to the bank and in first place. Um, Next fight on the card, featherweight bout, Andre Team Alpha Male Touchy Feely versus Daniel COVID fighter Pineda. And the line on this one is Andre Feely minus 225, Daniel Pineda plus 190. Kobe, you're up. 
I think Pineda's got eight or nine fights in a row that haven't gone to the cards. Decision. He, he's a finisher or he's getting finished. And I'm going to take Pineda inside the distance plus 405. Wow. Okay. I don't know if I like the number enough. Um, obviously, Cub Swanson can crack. Last time we saw Pineda, um, got absolutely cracked. And then what has been a little bit more than – or a little bit less than a year layoff or half a year, I don't know. Um, Time's a flat circle. <laughs> it does feel that way. Like, even after the pandemic, it actually – I don't know what day it is. I don't even know what month it is. All I know is it. All I know is the MMA schedule. That's it. I think Touchy Feely is going to win here. Um, I don't think he's going to get him out of there. I'm going Feely by decision. Plus two thirty. Yeah. And, I'm, and, and Kobe, I'm on the same thing. I I, I want to fade Team Alphamil with every single bone I have in my body, but this just ain't the spot. Andre Feely's a very good boxer on the feet and he's very rangy he's very long and lanky for this division and so I mean I I think he's beyond capable of finishing him and and I know he even can land some power from the top if Pineda wants to work in in guard but Feely's just going to piece him up and and I think he's going to do a lot of wrestling it'll it'll go to the scorecards and it'll 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 be what it'll be so I'll I'll take the extra juice on the on the decision and I'll, I'll grab the plus 230 as well Next card, fight on the card, we have a six-fight main event, or main card. It's a bantamweight bout. Honey Barsolos versus T- Timor Valiev. And this line is going to get you out of your seat because it got Danny out of his. Timor Valiev is plus 175. Honey Barsolos minus 210. Crazy line. That's over at five dimes, which has the least amount of juice. Other lines, you see Timor across the board at around plus 180. We're going to honor the five dimes as we always do. Plus 175, minus 210. Kobe, what's up? Those are the lines. This has just become a prop picking game. I'm taking Barcelos by decision, plus 145. Wow. I, yeah, Reese said this one got me out of my seat. And the more correct way to putting it is this one slumped me in my chair. I thought that I was going to come into this uh, with a decently even fight. I, I expected Hyoni to be the favorite. I thought it was going to be like 170 or something. Um, I mean, for our listeners, we didn't set the spread on this because it was originally slated as a prelim main event. So this was one that I didn't look at until just tonight because I didn't get a lot of time to tape. But I thought I was going to come in kind of – with a hot take that Hyoni was going to dominate. And I think he's going to dominate, but I'm also a big Timber Valley of guy and I'm looking at Timber Valley of, and I know that I'm never going to get him at plus 175 again. I know that he's never going to be this big of a dog. And I know that he's got the skill set to get top position and steal rounds from a more talented, more aggressive guy. I'm going Valley of just plus 180. Fuck Kobe's prop picking game. Give me the dog and the value. This, I mean, this is a guy that's talented enough that he should never be double your money or even close to that. Valiev is plus 290 go to decision and 
if you look at his topology, he seemingly always does. That's but we're not here to to take part as a wise man. That's the time. better pick. I wish we're here to take over. Can I switch that? Is that legal? Can I switch that? You can switch also, that. That's legal right. time. That's the way better pick. Timber Valley. Yeah, well, I if he does it. I am going Valley of Wins inside the distance plus six ten. Oh. And he's gonna poha the Brazilian. Okay. He's gonna, he's gonna finish him from the top, and then he's gonna literally stand over the Brazilian and go poha. See, here's the here's the reason I'm I'm very much a decision and and ride time over some kind of stunning result. When we first saw Timur Valley making his debut was that Trevin Jones no contest. Yep. Um, it was on my least favorite card of all time, the Munoz Frankie Edgar card. It was Terrible. a card that I was big, big on Timber Valley of in his debut against Trevin Jones, a guy I like to fade. Uh, Timber dominated in the first round. Second round got absolutely slumped out of nowhere. Uh, it was a fight where the ref could have called it in the first round because Timber almost had a finish. And in the second, they called it almost prematurely. Since then, he's been a little hesitant especially in that Martin Day fight, I'm worried that he's not that killer that he was entering the Trevin Jones fight because he doesn't believe he's invincible anymore. He knows he knows he can get touched. He knows that he can go from winning, like dominating a fight to losing it just like that. And he showed it during that Martin Day. I think he's going to be a little apprehensive. I think he's going to be all about like top position, ride time, uh, controlling the cage, clinch like clinch time on the fence. Um, I don't think he's going to be going for a finish as much as he showed in that Trevin Jones first round. No, I, I, I just love when guys, I just look at it in a little bit different way where I'm like, Valley of, if Valley of can, can sculpture his game plan and learn around a loss like that, it can only help. You know what I mean? It can it, it can only help. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, he's, he's, he's only been fighting smarter. True. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So less likely to hit the inside the distance. Makes sense. Uh, heavyweight co-main, Tanner Bozer versus OSP. And the line on that, Ovid St. Peru, that is. And the, and the line on that is Tanner Bozer minus 185. Ovid St. Peru, or Tanner Bozer minus 170. Ovid St. Peru plus 150. Kobe. I really hate this fight. I ended up just landing. I I don't feel great about Bozier. I don't know who could look at his last few, even just a couple months of yeah. watching him fight and feel great about him. A lot of losses to some old bets, too. And I feel like I've lost every time I've faded OSP recently, but the fade OSP train is not something that I'm trying to get off of either. No, it's a, it's a, first, it's a first-class ticket for us. I am going to go – Exposure by decision plus one seventy three. Yeah, I saw that line. Okay, I I feel you, Dan. Uh, I gotta pull up lines. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump Dan here because I have my pick ready. Okay. My fade Ovid St. Peru train crashed into fade Tanner Bozer train after his last two performances to old geezers like OSP. I flew off the train right the windshield and landed in the Tanner Bozer train. I am currently on OSP by decision. I wanted it by Von Flood choke exactly, but I decided to say decision instead because it's an easier line to find. It's Peru wins by decision plus 340, Cobes. 
Yeah, I'm gonna start breaking this down because I still, like Kobe said, this is a gross fight. Uh, it's a, it's one there. About it, it's OSP moving up to heavyweight for like what, like the fifth time in his career, but off and on. Um, the last time he did it was versus Rothwell. What we lost, what we learned, was that the power carries over. The gas tank does not. Um, Tanner Bozer's all gas tank, and that's why I think he's favored here. I don't know what to do because I hate this fight. Um, dead air, dead air. Let's do something. Let's uh, do- we, Kobe, when you edit this, edit in the SpongeBob two hours later. <laughs> Dan, I'm trying to go to bed here. I'm doing I'm doing Prue in submission round two plus <laughs> wait, what is that? Sixteen hundred. <laughs> if that if that hits, I'm shotgunning a beer. That's fucking Insane. Malort, Malort, if that hits. I'll shotgun a handle of it. No, I'll, I'll do a shot of Malort. <laughs> if, that, if, if that hits, if that hits, I'll do a shot of Malort next week live on air. This, this fight is so gross, I had to be grosser. Yeah, that was – I'm about to take a shower before bed now. Main event, the one that Danny is absolutely capable of capping here. Heavyweight bout, Cyril Gaon. Versus Alexander Volkov in the line is Cyril Gaon minus 150, Volkov plus 130. I never thought the, the word Cyril Gaon minus 150 would come out of my mouth, but it has. He was minus 300, 400 for so long. Minus 150, Volkov plus 130. Kobe, where are you at? Five-round main event, by the way. Sorry, adding that in. It is for sure a five-round main event, right? Yep, 100%. I was looking at the line. Cyril Gan by decision is plus two hundred, and Cyril Gan yeah. inside the distance is plus two forty. And I know. favored. So I, I don't know the math. You can do it both ways. That's what's so crazy. We talked about it a little bit on set the spread about he Cyril Gan is much more versatile than maybe he gets credit for just by looking at his body type, maybe. I don't think I'm ever going to get this number again with Cyril Gan in a non-Nganu matchup. So I'm going to take Gan inside the distance plus 240. Yeah, that's a great line. Yeah, that is a good number. Um, I talk about Cyril Gan a lot. He's he's without a doubt my favorite heavyweight. Uh, he introduced himself to the UFC by two straight submission wins and – Heavyweights don't do that unless your name is Verdum or uh, the Boa Constrictor. This is a guy that's so fun. He's built like Francis Ngannou. He can Iminari roll you. I'm worried about this matchup just because it's a Muay Thai striker versus a traditional striker. The thing that really just sets it over the edge for me, it's the small cage. Volkov needs this fight to be perfect. Volkov needs to get that front kick going to keep his distance, really stay off his jab. And what Cyril Gaon excels at is cutting off the cage. We're talking about a smaller cage here, his Muay Thai style. He's going to take his angles, cut off the cage. 
you, you're on inside the distance, Kobe. Yeah. That's such a good. That is such a good. I hate picking all these things. You know what I'm gonna do? Because I'm gonna be anti-prop right now. I'm taking the minus one fifty. I'm not looking at gift yeah, no, I, and, I actually was gonna say that of all fights to just take the straight line, this is it. I mean, he can do it every which way. He can yeah. outpoint him. He can cut it off and knock him out. He can Imanari roll and heel hook him. Yeah, this could be. I mean, this hopefully what we're gonna get here is a real serial gun breakout performance that says. I need a title shot in the next couple of years, and I don't care if it's my teammate. Yeah, because especially after, even though he dominated Biggie Boy in that five-round decision, people were less than impressed. They were bored. They were like, oh, it's a very slow decision, low volume, outside striker. They don't realize what he's capable of. And that's why I'm actually taking a different approach. You touched on it. People don't realize this man has the submission prowess that he does. And for that... I think I'm going to take Gon wins by submission plus 725. I mean, that is so nice. Right? That seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. So I think that, that could be, I don't know. I think that we're really just getting exposed to the game plan minds that they have. Uh, what is it? MMA factory in France? Uh, great question. Yeah. MMA yeah. factory. MMA factory. Wow. Um, yeah. It's because Francis hasn't really displayed until the Stipe fight most recently that he's here to compete like intellectually or that he's not in that he's here to establish a hard and fast game plan that you can't beat. And I think that this is the opportunity for Cyril Gon to show that he can be just as dominant of a wrestler as Curtis Blades. He can be just as formid- formidable of a striker with one punch power as Derek Lewis. He can- if, he, if he can demonstrate that and he can show that, and he can also say, look, I, I don't, I can't only do that. I can't only do that, but I can also dominate decisions with smart fight IQ like he did against Biggie Boy. Right. Dude. This guy's something else. Yeah, I know. I you, I'm hoping that we I'm hoping that we get that master class. I'm not gonna be crazy surprised if we don't because Volkov is really talented. Yeah Volkov and very long. Very long. And but I, do, I just think that yeah Ghana more has more tools and the tools that Volkov has Gan has answers for. I agree. I've been wrong before, but this is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm excited just to see a, a guy that I've always dreamed of having at a 150 clip. Do you know the last guy that I remember having to deal with that with? Kamaru Usman. His rise to the belt every single fight was minus 350, 400, 500. I'm like, I can't lay this. I no, can't lay man, this. Colby, Colby was nice. Yeah, I was Colby. making bank on Colby. Yeah, Colby was nice. Everyone thought that was even. It was. No, I've I've wrote it ever since. I wrote him against. I know this is gonna hurt you, but I gotta rip it off like a bandaid. I wrote him against Gilby Burns. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Tyron, Ty, he was a he was a dog against Tyron. That I, was I an think. emotional bet for that Gilbert Burns was an emotional bet. Yeah. Understood. Understood. So with that being said, we wrap up this ankle pick pod episode a shitload. Forty six. 
what is it? 46. 46th hour we got to spend with you guys. It's always a pleasure. 46th full episode. That doesn't even count the half. Holy shit. So 46 full episodes. And we're coming at you live, 11.30 p.m. Boys, you have anything else you want to say before we air this bad boy? Poha! Poha! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.